Well, good morning, Shiloh. Good morning. Well, it's a wonderful day to praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Again, I say rejoice. Oh, let's give the Lord some praise today that's to his name. If you know the song, we want you to sing along with us. It says, come bless the Lord. We love you in the Lord. And come bless the Lord with us.
says, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart.
I want to talk to you for a few minutes from the simple subject, freedom, freedom. As the church of Jesus Christ on mission for him in the world, we must understand what our freedom in Christ really means. Disciples necessarily have experienced the touch of Jesus in their lives and have surrendered to his lordship. When we accept Jesus as Lord, simultaneous to our salvation, we are challenged with a call to sanctification. We're challenged to move away from the priorities of this life and embrace Christ's priority for us to totally love the Lord and to live that love through a total love for our neighbor. We must understand that our freedom from sin actually binds us to Christ to live out his commission to us that we go and make disciples. Our freedom in Christ means that we have a better expectation, a better outlook, a brighter hope for tomorrow. For this life is filled with trouble. But when trouble comes, because we are in Christ, we know that everything will be all right. Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Our freedom in Christ means that we have been delivered from something bad to something better. The bad from which we have been delivered is sin, and the better is liberty. And the means of that deliverance is Jesus. There is but one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, and that name is Jesus. Our text today finds Jesus talking about freedom, spiritual freedom, which he embodies in his person. It comes on the heels of an act of liberation on Jesus' part in the matter of a woman who had been brought to him who was apparently guilty of adultery. The passage says that she was caught in the act. And it's funny to me how being caught in the act, the only person brought to Jesus was the woman 
and not the man she was acting with. I wonder how that came to happen. But adultery was a serious infraction in the Mosaic Covenant. It was a crime punishable by death. And her accusers were ready to stone her. All they were waiting for was for Jesus to give the word. But instead, Jesus delivered freedom from, for this woman. Jesus said to the accusers, the one who is without sin is free to throw a stone. And no stone was thrown. Then he said to the woman, if they ain't going to throw stones, I ain't going to throw stones either. Even though by his own criteria, he was the only one qualified to throw a stone, he refused to do it. And then in addition to and more important than her physical freedom, Jesus set this woman on a path of spiritual freedom. For he said to her, go and sin no more. The encounter reminds us that physical freedom is only meaningful if it's accompanied by spiritual freedom. When we think about our current condition, the unison cry from all people of color is that we want to be free. Free from economic entanglement, free from criminal justice mistreatment and law enforcement abuse, free from unwarranted and unsubstantiated social stigmas, free from the inequities of an uneven education system and a regressive tax system. We want to be free and unfettered in the pursuit of our goals and our aspirations. We want to be free to pursue the same opportunities that all people wish to pursue. We want to be free. But as God's preacher, I must remind you of what this woman in the text discovered. True freedom isn't physical. True freedom is spiritual. And spiritual freedom is only found in a committed relationship with Jesus. It's only when we are spiritually free that we find that all the other chains that people use to bind us become of non-effect. Spiritual freedom liberates us from fear, for the word says God's spirit is one of power and of love and of a sound mind. Spiritual freedom permits us to expand our vision beyond ourselves and consider the needs of others. Spiritual freedom reveals to us the source of our contentment. For I heard Paul say, I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have nothing. And I found contentment in both situations, not because of the situation, but because of the one in whom I have placed my trust. So whatever I have and wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. There's power in freedom. Real freedom can only come from Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees in our text. 
The Pharisees promoted strict adherence to the law of Moses as the means of obtaining righteousness. But Jesus tells them and us that God has decided that righteousness and freedom will come from a different course. If you stick with living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. And as my disciples, you will experience for yourselves the truth. And the truth will make you free. Jesus wasn't opposed to the law, but he was saying that the law, as wielded by the Pharisees, was being used as a tool of control. The Pharisees used it to gain power and to solidify their position. The Pharisees used it to separate themselves from others and make themselves appear to be superior to others. But Jesus says the freedom that you seek doesn't come from that. The freedom that you seek doesn't come from following the law. It comes from knowing the truth, and the truth is me. If you know me, then you know real freedom. Because if the Son sets you free, you are free through and through. Now, the first thing you need to know about freedom is that Christ must be in charge. Jesus said to his disciples one day, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You ain't in the driver's seat. I am. We must always be on guard against those who seek to bind us to anything other than Jesus. That was the problem these Pharisees were attempting to do. And there are Pharisees in the church even today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There are those in the church who will try to subject us to unreasonable rules in an effort to maintain strict control over us. There are folk in the church who will insist that our experience with Christ match their experience before they will accept us as equal members of the body of Christ. And those who do such are guilty of hindering the work of evangelism and they are subduing the joy that is a natural result of knowing that Jesus has taken our sin away. Jesus said, if I set you free, you're free through and through. If I set you free, you're no longer transient slaves, but you have been set free because you came to the Son. The last thing people need when they come to Jesus is to be made to jump through hoops to satisfy somebody else. You do know that you can't save nobody. You do know that you have no salvation in and of yourself. Jesus says anyone who chooses a life with hoops is trapped. And that's significant because he suggests that freedom is the result of a choice, the choice to break with the sinful nature. And that means that to enjoy spiritual freedom, there must be a complete surrender to Christ. Oh, how we love to sing, I surrender all. But to have real freedom, 
there must be a complete surrender of self over to him. What am I saying? You have to choose to stop being worldly. You have to choose to be less concerned with the material and more concerned with the spiritual. You have to choose to be more concerned with the wants of the spirit than the wants of the body. This is what Paul describes as true spiritual maturity. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Y'all like to read the love stuff, but there's something else that he puts in that chapter that's important. He says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. That's what our sinful nature is. Our sinful nature is spiritual childishness that hinders our growth and our maturity in Christ. And Jesus says that our freedom is linked to our choosing to not indulge in our sinful nature. That was the problem with these Pharisees. Instead of seeking the Savior, they made keeping the law the goal of their spiritual development. And they insisted that everybody else do what they were doing. They were spiritually stunted. And whenever we become spiritually stunted, we become susceptible to our sinful nature. We begin to substitute other things for a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. We start talking about what we won't do because we are Christians. Can I tell you, Jesus ain't interested in what you ain't doing. He's only interested in what you're doing. If you're loving the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. If you're loving your neighbor as yourself, that's what Jesus is interested in. He ain't interested in whether or not you stop smoking. He ain't interested in whether or not you stop drinking. He ain't interested in whether or not you stop shooting. If you get more of Jesus in you, all of that stuff will take care of itself. Quit trying to drum through somebody else's hoop and recognize where True spirituality comes from. Leads me to my final point. Freedom in Christ means that what Christ does can't be undone by any other power. Jesus says that in contrast to the one enslaved by sin, the son has an established position. The son has run of the house. Whatever the son says goes. So Jesus says, if the son has set you free, then you are free through and through. Free in body and in mind and in spirit. Free today and tomorrow and for all time. Free in this life and free in the life to come. Free through and through means that there's no power that can undo what Jesus has done. That's why Paul could so boldly state his position of freedom in Romans chapter This is what Paul says. What do you think? With God on our side like this, 
how can we lose? If, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen who would dare even point a finger the one who died for us and was raised to life for us is in the presence of God at this very moment do you think anybody is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us Paul says there ain't no way no trouble no hard times no hatred no hunger, no homelessness, no bullying threats, no backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. And then he puts this cap on it. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living, nothing dead, Nothing angelic, nothing demonic, nothing today, nothing tomorrow, nothing high, nothing low, nothing thinkable, nothing unthinkable, absolutely nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Church, can I tell you that Paul's testimony is my testimony? I know that there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. There's no power that can undo what Jesus has done. Do I have to cry sometimes? Sure I do. But there's no power that can undo what Jesus has done. Do I have some enemies? Got a whole bunch of them. Some of them I know, some of them I don't know. But there is no power that can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Folk try to close doors, Jesus will open them. Folk try to put me out, Jesus brings me in. Folk make me cry, Jesus dries every tear from my eyes. I have hope, I have peace, I have love, I have joy because I'm in God's hands and if I'm in his hands, you can't do nothing to me. That ain't bragging. That's just an observation of fact. I've lived long enough now to know what folk will try to do. And they may win for a minute, but God is in control. Harder yet may be the fight. Right often must give way to might. Wickedness a while may reign, and Satan's forces may seem to gain. But there is a God who rules above with an eye of mercy and an arm of love. And if I'm right, he'll fight my battle. And I shall be free someday. I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know what the future holds for me. But this I know if Jesus leads me. If Jesus leads me, if Jesus leads me, I shall get home someday. You can't take my home from me. You can't 
bankrupt me from my home. You can't put me out of my home. It's my home and Jesus gave it to me and you can't take it from me. I thank God that I'm in his hands and not in your hands. I thank God that I'm in his hands and not in system's hands. I thank God I'm in his hands and not in circumstances hands. I am in his hands. Heavenly Father, thank you for reminding us where real freedom comes from. It doesn't come from having a big bank account. It doesn't come from having people know your name, but real freedom comes from being submitted and surrendered to you. We thank you that you loved us enough, that you freed us from the shackles of sin. And we declare with you, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Bless this simple word which has gone forth. May it be a help to those who have heard. Now to God as we open the doors of your church. If there's someone who has been sharing in this worship experience via live stream, who does not know you in the pardon of their sin, has not surrendered.